I'm Kevin Price. You're listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm really excited. Uh, we've had uh, Jim Hancock as a regular commentary uh, provider here on the Price of Business show for quite some time. He's incredibly savvy in the technology space. And uh, recently he has uh, uh, begun to join us to do actual interviews on a regular basis about his research and work in the technology space. He's a leading authority in this, in this space. His website, by the way, is jlhancock.com. That's jlhancock.com. He's an author. Uh, he's an author of uh, primarily uh, novels, in fact, uh, that deal a lot with uh, issues that relate to technology and national security and a lot of these issues. And during his time in the military, Jim worked away in the dark, dark corners of the government intelligence communities. He learned two Asian languages and eventually conducted over 100 combat operations with special operations forces in Iraq, Afghanistan, and the Philippines. And so he has a fascinating background. Um, love having him on the program. Love doing this work with him. And, again, you can learn more about him at jlhancock.com. So, uh, JL, as you know, you've been creating so much buzz, uh, and I'm really excited about it. I love when uh, the listener, can, can, you know, connects uh, with things we're talking about. And, I, again, what I'm noticing in this series, one of the reasons why we love your comments, I'm, I'm absolutely loving our, our conversations uh, um, beyond the comments, commentaries, is the uh, fact that you are bringing perspective that's not getting much airplay elsewhere. And I think a lot of it is, is people who don't know. They don't understand. Um, they're, they're journalists. You know, I'm using kind of air quotes. Uh, they cover different stories. Often they don't have the background or uh, you know, ability to really interpret what's happening. And I think our today is a great example of that. So why don't you just set the stage for us? This, to me, is a very important topic. Yeah, sure. So I'd like to talk today a little bit about how the concurrent issue with Congress approving budgets and the continuing resolution uh, as it pertains to the budget, the defense budget being not necessarily being passed, but how, what an impact it has when they delay the approval of a budget and how that impacts government and military acquisitions. And that sounds, that's probably one of those topics that, that doesn't draw a lot of attention because it's not very interesting. It doesn't sound very sexy, but let's be, uh, to be honest, that is something that impacts every aspect of the way that the warfighter as well as the Department of Defense writ large is able to execute money that's given to them by the, by the, by the government. And the problem is, is when you have these different arguments between political parties trying to approve a budget, and they can't approve it. They implement things like a continuing resolution, so at least there's a little bit of money to keep things going and turn the, keep the lights on while they get to the point where they can approve a budget. But here's the impact that people don't realize, is when they fight over things like, uh, you could go back to several different administrations. Like you could think of the Obama administration, Trump administration. They all had these issues where they fought over why they would approve a budget for a particular reason, and it actually led to government shutdowns and it led to all these things. But here's what happens on a bigger scale. We are, the government fiscal year starts uh, at the, it ends in October and uh, ends of September, it begins in October. And so from your first quarter is that uh, October, November, December timeframe. And then you have the next nine months. That first quarter is when money should be starting to execute from the previous fiscal year as appropriated by the budget. 
if it's not approved, that first quarter basically gets pushed to the right to the next quarter. And so now you're having to execute the money that you should have executed on in the beginning in the later of the year. Well, then that pushes the money that was executed in the second quarter a little bit to the right as well until everything eventually gets squished into the final quarter for execution. Now, the reason why that's a problem is that government contracts can't be executed unless there is a certain amount of money ready to be put into the contract itself. And if you are betting on it being done at a certain time of year, that gets pushed to the right as well. And then you get to the end of the year and they're trying to write new contracts and they only have so many people that can write these contracts. Suddenly they're trying to default to other ways of moving the money because guess what? If they don't execute the money by the end of a certain a period of the year, they lose the money. And so there's this squish where they're either pushing the money into contracts that are old because they can't create new ones or they're just uh, executing the money in a way that that is uh, iterative and not necessarily disruptive in the sense to where they're creating new and advanced and amazing things because they can't move on a way that is that is innovative in any way. And these are the issues that you're running into with, with the budget. And another thing that happens is a little while back there was this conversation with Congress about questioning things like the Small Business Innovation Research Grant, sometimes known as SIBRs. And there were this, there was an argument about these cyber farms, companies that would apply for these, co these contracts and then just use them for the sake of raising money and then burning the money and then never creating anything useful. So Congress was coming back and saying, we might cut these programs. Well, what people don't realize is those, those, those grant processes are used by every branch of service, NASA, and they're very important. And the individuals that work in those organizations are critical for executing these financial contracts. However, when that whole conversation came out, a lot of people started leaving those organizations and a brain drain took place. And now certain cases, it's taking longer to execute on contracts because we lost the experience because Congress was arguing over whether or not we should keep it to begin with. And so all of those things have these effects where all of a sudden our budgets are being pushed farther to the right and the ability to create any new technology is stopping. And so it, that accordion effect is, is something that we have to definitely address and Congress has to figure themselves out because otherwise we're not going to be able to pace ourselves with, with an emerging threat. Yeah, absolutely. I hate to say it, you know, I'm no fan of dictatorships, but they don't have these kind of uh, bureaucracy and processes uh, problems in places like China and Russia. <laughs> Yeah, well, that is that is that is one of They've got a ton of other problems, uh, JL, but they don't have problems like that. Yeah, no, that unfortunately that is definitely true. Um, if you if you have one organization that will just say, yes, you can have this for the for for the next ten years, then and then there's there's obviously issues associated with that, and we want to be ethical and we want to do things appropriately, but we can't be slapping ear tags tags onto different bills that are completely irrelevant to the bill and getting the bill killed. And they do that intentionally, but they're not doing it for the benefit of the American people or the warfighter. They're doing it for themselves yeah. or their party. And that, that is the part that drives me the most crazy because it has so little to do with doing the right thing. Yeah. And this is, again, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a mutual, uh, I'm discussing by both parties. And so uh, you'll find both parties doing similar things for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And I, having worked through four different uh, administrations, every administration had it for different reasons. And uh, yeah. once again, it, who are we prioritizing at the end of the day? And and at the end of the day, the American people should be the priority. And that that is the part that's painful. 
Yeah, and they've done a good faith and not the uh, uh, American people in the best interest of the American people. So uh, talking about, you know, and again, this isn't new. Uh, this is something that's been going on for literally decades. Um, and and uh, what is new, though, is that they're getting slower and slower and finally approving it. And when they do approve it, it's almost like they just clip things together and, uh, you know, like they, they clip out like newspaper clippings or article clippings to make a little piece until they finally have There's nothing uh, really strategic. It's almost reactionary in the way they do it. And so much of it is rested on what they did in the past rather on innovation because they can barely agree on the stuff that we've been doing forever and seem very comfortable with. It's very hard to be innovative in an environment like that. Yeah, and it's it's hard to be innovative uh, without the tools that you need in order to make it to do anything. And, and the tool that you need is a budget that is reliable. And I mean, just think about anything you do in your personal life. You can't do, you can't plan, you, you can't strategically align anything that you're doing unless you know exactly how much cash you're going to have. And you can't forecast that if if you don't have any idea what that what's going to happen or if they're, or somebody's going to turn your money off for no reason. And yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, uh, Reason Magazine, which any listener of my show knows I'm a fan of, I don't agree with all of it, but it's a small magazine. It pointed out that uh, Congress has not completed all of the required steps in the appropriation process in time since 1996. That's a long time there, JL. Yeah, that's terrible. It's terrible. That is is something that, uh, I mean, I'm putting this a bit in my my current work that I'm working on, my next book, but... The idea of America looks at, it's like I describe it as like we're playing speed chess while our opponents are playing, like the Chinese are playing Go. And the game is completely different. The strategies are different, but the strategy that they're playing is the long one. It's the 100-year strategy, recognizing that they will slowly just influence and then occupy over time, whereas we can't even get through the next election cycle. And that is something that we need to figure out and get past. And, and it's a safe bet for the Chinese. And, and again, I'm not saying uh, that uh, it's easy. It's much easier for the Chinese to be. There's a high probability that 100 years from now, uh, who's ever in charge is going to have the vast majority of his, or maybe hers, uh, although historically unlikely, and his or her values, percent of them will line up with the person who's currently in charge, which is, and that doesn't happen in every four years. Here, <laughs> I mean, it virtually no. never happens here. No, for for better or for worse, it's, I just wish that there was a way that, regardless of what individual is sitting the seat at the top, there was a way for us to align strategies to be continuous. And um, I, hmm. having studied in, in my grad school and worked on the creation of national security strategies, there's this concept of idealism versus realism. And idealistic strategies are focusing on the future that you want, and a realistic strategy is one that fixates on on the current problems that you have to deal with and can't ignore when it really is a balance about what is the desired end state. And that's really where the politicking comes in is the desired end state. Do you want to keep it as it is or or move on to something better? But I think at the end, we all want yes. something better. Um, and But at the same time, there are some fundamental elements of that that should not be yanked and pulled around because at the whim of a particular uh, political group because they are because of brinksmanship and that is the aspect that uh, is really hurting the American people and it and, and it, it needs to be fixed and because the concern the other concern is if you look at that hundred year plan let's say let's say China does have a hundred year plan in the midst of that hundred year plan 
you have the lifespan of the individual in charge. And Putin is a good example of Russia where he's realizing his life is only so long and he better make some big moves while he's still alive because it won't matter when he's dead. Xi Jinping, yeah. you're starting to see some of the same thing. He's established himself as a, as a long-term dictator and he, is, he needs to start making some moves. And he's watching how Putin is playing this thing out in Russia to see what, well, how he could do the same thing in Taiwan. And, and granted, there's a back and forth between what happens with our presidency and where we're at. At the same time, they, they, they want to – they can because they're not worried about the next party coming in and swapping them out. They can make longer-term plans, and they can dictate exactly how they want the budget to be approved. And that in and of itself is, the, is, is such an advantage compared to where we're at that we have to fix something. We have to fix that. And as you know, we've talked about this before. We live in such a binary culture. You know, I talk the way I just talk, and, you, you know, you pointed out, too. We're not saying that we like totalitarianism or authoritarian regimes, uh, but we need to not be romantic that, and, you know, and think that uh, those that are pluralistic and, and democratic uh, sometimes, somehow has got it all figured out. No, we don't. We're willing to have the clumsy, clumsiness uh, of uh, the type of systems we have because of the fact that people being safe and having freedoms and, and having human rights is a very high value, among the highest of values. But, you know, we need to be careful about not being romantic and thinking uh, everything we do and how we do it is good and everything how they do it is, is bad. Uh, there is, unfortunately, uh, there's a third way that's virtually never pursued by, by either them or us, it seems like. Yeah, I think and, and I think that's a good point. Definitely don't want to romanticize the way that they are going about the problem. Um, it is it is more or less just us trying to recognize that we can be better and we can do better and we should do better. And uh, yeah. and and because the alternative is we have no choice anymore. And I think that the greatest right. the greatest thing that we offer is is uh, not just liberty but the free agency and the ability to make decisions for yourself in your own life and that is something you would sacrifice in that other alternative and that is definitely not something we want yeah and they suffer for it and it's hard to tell because it's so oppressive and you know they don't even allow you to point out how they're suffering <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but they suffer for it so yeah just gotta gotta really think about this this is a very topic underrepresented uh, as you point out it is boring. I think it's vital, and I'm so glad we do it. I'm so glad that you bring it for us. Um, in your website, again, I want people to check out his work. His work is phenomenal. I love authors who make very important and very educated, uh, educational uh, concepts of a such a way where I'm enjoying myself, and, oh, my God, I'm, oh, my goodness, I love that. And that's how JL's writing. Uh, JL, you're writing a topic just at every time you uh, uh, put a pen to paper. I'm sure you're not doing a whole lot of that, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, make yeah. your website one more time. Yeah, jlhancock.com. jlhancock.com. Make sure you check it out. Always love having great feedback from him. We love that. And his, his uh, work he's done on our show on uh, technology and war. It's, it, again, another thing that's not getting a lot of coverage Elsewhere. And I think the reason why, one of the big reasons why, is this: there's a lot of novices who really know very little, who have just been themselves, who are primarily covering this. And we're very fortunate to have someone who really has worked in this area for a very long time, for, for administrations. That says a lot, says a lot about, uh, alone says a lot about uh, Jim. 
Thanks as always. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Kevin. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this.